Yeah, so what the fuck? Why why are you ignoring my calls? And then why were you still in bed when I uh, rang you this morning? Um, Which was when we were meant to start the podcast. Luckily, I, I wanted to change the time. Yeah, I know. Um, I just slept and slept and slept and slept. You were like this. Oh, I feel like <laughs> shit. I was like, what year is this? Is this 2009? Yeah, I went out um, and had a few drinks and watched some fireworks and then stayed and drank some beer. It's, it's, it's 2009. You were, a bit, you, you were 19. Yeah, yeah. And then you I went drunk, fireworks I went, and stayed in bed till 11. No, to 1pm. And then I went and met Kizza and then had some beers with him and then I went home. What time did you go for bids for him? Because he was still messaging um, group chats up until like 6am. No, not that level of like beers with Kizza, like a customer of the pub he works in, not like the other. Oh, really? Side. Yeah, yeah. They're not wasn't like out out. Like I went I went there pretty much for last orders because I was walking around. I went down the seafront because I've been in for just fucking ever doing pottering around. Like I spent all yesterday trying to restore uh, my granddad's old pen knife and lighter <laughs> that I found. Um, what the so, fuck, man? When do you start work? So I've got... When well, do you start work? Oil. Well, not soon enough, because I'm fucking sitting around tinkering yeah. with, like, old antiques and alcoholism. So <laughs> I need to, like... <laughs> <laughs> you sound like an old man. Yeah, this is my future. Just, like, shaky hands trying to apply grease to a fucking trinket that I found in the street. But I've pretended has got some sort of perceived worth and value which really is just absolute trash but a pocket knife right it's a pocket knife yeah i'll show it to you i'm currently soaking it in some white in some white vinegar oh this is precarious i'm spilling vinegar on myself you can't see it anyway it's well, not but... showing up on your um on your lovely hobbit oh I guess... it's more of a no it's like ripped off hobbiton but like in the background, it's the houses are toadstools. Oh yeah, very you actually. You wish you lived in a little mushroom, don't you? <laughs> I saw it and I was like, that's pretty cool. Like I get to <laughs> different backgrounds. You're like so close to those old, those like old white women that love fairies. So I've got two things, actually. I made some notes um, of things I'd like to talk about when I was at a higher level today. A higher um, level? I went to um, a Halloween party on Saturday. It was someone's birthday. Cool. And um, me and Smee actually recorded this uh, for the podcast. Yeah, I um, lost the file. I'm sorry. Mm. 
was like, yeah, this woman was driving back from a party and she uh, was being followed by a car that had sirens, but it wasn't a police car, he said. He said she assumed it must have been an unmarked car, but so she kept getting followed and then so she finally pulled over, but the car drove off and um, she was like, wait a minute, so they don't want to pull me over. Then she looked in the, in the mirror in the car and there was a man in the back of the car and um, he s- killed the woman. And then the man who telling this story was like, how do you think, how do you know, no, why do you think, no, how do you think I know who done this? Sorry, I got a, I got a notification that really tripped me out. It's and fine. I just butted in because it was you. And he's like, yeah, because it was me. So he's saying that he's a murderer. Yeah, but it went on for so long. And because he used the word, like, used, like, locations like Devil's Dyke and stuff, he, like, knew what he was doing. But the most funniest thing was he took some... So, like, an hour later, when we were, like, dancing and stuff, he took Samir to the side to tell her the story again. And I think to, like, spice things up. Yeah. um, Like, maybe literally... He said it was an Indian woman in the car, and Samir missed everything apart from the murdering of an Indian woman. So <laughs> Samir just came up, she Samir was very drunk, came back to the to all the friends dancing and just be like, that man just told me about Indians dying. And was like screaming. So um, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm gonna go out on Halloween and I'm gonna spin this really young, long yarn using like local knowledge and um, people's understanding of ghost story tropes. And she was like, he's just talking about a race crime. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I get what he's trying to do. I guess if you were like, you know, funny or good at telling stories, or you know, if you were like a comedian, it went on for so long because there was like, people doing limboing, and like it. We were been we were holding up the line for Samir's go for so long, whilst this guy was just not getting a hint and just dribbling on about the story. It's a- another thing. It's a nice idea. Like I like the idea of it. Like if 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 I met somebody who was like like Gabriel, right? He's the sort of person that could probably pull that off quite well. You know, it's quite yeah. interesting. He can spin a good narrative, and he'd probably know how to end it on a good punchline. Gabriel, so funny. Shout out, Gab. Yeah. As opposed to it just being a tedious, like, um, and I don't know, racially ambiguous murder. There was a few confusing things that happened. And that's why I got to this quite quickly. Um, there was another guy who said that I looked like um, uh, Jimmy from the like the barber Jimmy. Who? You know who the guy who was in Rotten Foxes, who's like Jimmy's barbers. The singer? No, the guy who like plays guitar. Uh, yeah. Do you know who that is? Oh, is he the tall guy with the, like the mullet? Really? Yeah, yeah. It looks stuffy like me. No, no, he's very distinct. Two and... people. He like brought his friend over and be like, "Look, this looks like my barber, Jimmy." <laughs> I think you've got kind of the opposite thing of where I've got, um, where like people, people, because you've got a very distinct look. You know, if you've got like very long hair or like, you know, you've got a moustache. Um, so <laughs> I think people just like, I know someone with a moustache or long yeah. hair. You're that guy from, you're the guy from that TV show we were talking about earlier. 
Um, like so you know, you're McLovin. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, like I, I'm like a million random people, but no one specific because I, I like very, I have glasses and short hair. Like it's very like, I, I think I trick my way into people's subconscious by looking like a bunch of people, but people know basically you look like a lot of cartoon characters but like look, the people it, in the it background works, it, it works very well in like job interviews or like meeting people like, oh, you really remind me of this guy like you know i they've, they already think they've hired you but you're someone else yeah like you already work here in it right it's it's kind of that thing so it's like yes i've already got a job um whereas you're like oh this crazy dude with a nose piercing in <laughs> moustaches and tattoos is he my rock and roll barber oh is he that wacky guy from the comedy like he's I'm, so tall though i think that's like, what really threw me off glasses and probably perceived to be better at maths than i am like vanilla basically hmm. i blend you in like an old ner nerdery sorry like you know like black smithers <laughs> you look like that era of simpsons <laughs> when he looked kind of more human <laughs> yeah well they're all they're a bit rough around the edges yeah black smithers i forgot about him <laughs> also mm. another thing that i thought of earlier you love mushrooms right um yes yeah in fact um, but they're like some rotting it... i found i found a, a green one on the isle of Wight, so pretty gassed about that so yeah all right um so <laughs> all right, wax, uh, shout out Shout out my wax caps. So they're so in at the moment. Why aren't you going all in and becoming um, internet trendy on this? Um, well, I kind of think it's anathema. But you're going further than a lot of other people that just draw rubbish, like not rubbish, like average illustrations of them and stuff like that. Make it all kitschy. You're like, you're creating yeah. them. You're God. Um, I kind of feel like my approach to mushrooms and a philosophy around appreciating them is like appreciating nature and is like distancing yourself from creating a brand or being involved in such social media. It's almost like the opposite of what I'd want to do with it. It's like, yeah. uh, it's like, you know, see the house behind me, you know, that's what I'm trying to cultivate. I want to be like in the woods. By the way, but no one's going to see the house. I'm going to screen show now. Um, <laughs> There we go. The house behind you, like, because when you said that, I was like, w "What's the house behind your flat?" <laughs> it's like, to me, getting into mushrooms, it was a way into getting into uh, like nature, and obviously, I'm like, oh, I care about the environment, whatever. But like, I didn't know shit about it, right? I can go and walk through a forest. You know, I grew up on the Isle of Wight, and I can go and have a nice walk through a field. But I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just walking around, which is great too. It's like how people get into punk right you know you're like oh i didn't think i liked it but then i heard like damn it or whatever and then suddenly every you know you've got like a way into something and just being interested in like what different mushrooms are is a way into me now i know like what like what sort of environments they live in and like you know i can i can know more about trees and different habitats and like evergreens and like oak trees and stuff like that it's you learn more about nature and things can oh here you go look oh i can't say yeah 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 Oh god. Can you see on that t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> so for the listener. Oh, there you go. It's a mushroom that looks quite phallic. Um, with, with roots, and the roots are 
connected to the trees. The mycelium so, roots. And it's, do you want to explain it? You probably do it better. It's a mushroom and it shows the connections, um, the mycelium that connects it underground to the trees that give, uh, you know, that give the trees nutrients. The wood wide web. So that's what I'm, you know, talking about. It's about being connected to earth and nature and all that bullshit and like, you know, getting to your 30s and not wanting to kill yourself and trying to have some sort of like um, appreciation for something larger than yourself. Without, but it's like, I suppose it's what people get from um, like religion and spirituality, right? Is you're connected to something bigger than just your own little position in the world, right? Um, or like why people go and get killed in wars because they believe in something that's bigger than just their own subjective <laughs> experience in, in the world. Yeah. So that's, that's what get that's that's my interest in mushrooms is and my interest in the natural world and how it evolves and how it doesn't evolve. And it's it's like removing yourself from the world and thinking about it, you know, from an out, out from an objective outside of perspective, basically. It's like a form of meditation, you know, like being mindful. Yeah, I get it. That's the news. No, this is the news. Okay, this is the news segment. This is, we've tried this a few times. Sometimes we forget. Today we've remembered. It's time for the news. And so, I came across a nice little bitty article. Um, Hole. I've been on the website before, and it's because we've covered a story on the whole live website before, Murphy. Right, okay. Um, it was the women, it was the man and the woman, uh, ghost hunter during lockdown, and then there was that whole fiasco with um, the the feud between the other ghost hunters. Do you remember? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was all online. It was very um, lockdown, wasn't it? It was lots of yeah. online Facebook groups or beefs. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, the title of the news uh, article is Woodland Beauty Spot Haunted by Ghost That Tells People to Fuck Off. There oh. is known as Dean Woman's Ditch. A West Country beauty spot is being haunted by a ghost that tells visitors to fuck off. Visitors, <laughs> uh, visitors, visitors to Dead Woman's Ditch. What? <laughs> in the top it says Dean Woman's Ditch so that really threw me off um, Dead Woman's Ditch uh, which makes more sense but it's pretty, pretty gnarly known in Somerset Quantuck Hills has been reported being sworn out by the spirit reporters uh, reports uh, Somerset Live ghost hunters have been uh, to the location where a woman in white is reported to abuse guests near Overstowie the site has been named after the murder of Jane Wolford by her husband John in uh, 1789. All right. Uh, Christine and Dave Thomas launched an investigation uh, at the site in 2020. Christine claims she was shouted at and told to fuck off by nasty evil spirits. She says she and her husband Dave picked up on a voice before being rudely told to leave. The pair claimed to have encountered the ghost of a murderer from 1798. Dave said at the time, there's definitely something there. My wife has experienced it for a long time. There are two types of voices. There's um, the residue memories at 
There's the residue memories being replayed, which people pick up on without being able to communicate with. Then there are voices you can interact with, which you can get, which you can have an exchange with, which can get answers to questions. Not all, but some can be quite nasty. Evil spirits. Not everyone is aware of ghosts. That's because some people have weaker barriers than others and more likely to come across one. This is just this is quite boring actually. When I was 17, locals have reported seeing a ghost there. One said, when I was 17, on my way home from work, driving along the cold road, <laughs> cold road, I saw a bright white figure on the side of the road. So I slowed down. It appeared, it appeared to be a woman, completely dressed in white, old-fashioned clothing, of course. I couldn't take my eyes off as I drove past. I couldn't bring myself to turn around to have another look. I just drove home in complete shock. Um, all right. Another said, I've been... I've seen what looks like a tall figure with a long dark coat on the outside, on outside the pub, on the edge of the road. Checked back, no one was there. Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield and Nick Ferrari discussed the ghost on an episode of This Morning in 2020. Philip said, it's someone hiding in a ditch, surely. Nick Ferrari, Ferrari said it could be a woman who's been struggling with their hair during lockdown. Nick said, this particular woman is furious with her roots. That's what I reckon. And that's it. That came out a few days ago. So Nick Ferrari is a British conservative radio host, television presenter <laughs> and broadcast journalist. He is best known as a host of, of a weekday breakfast show on London-based radio station, LBC. Um, yeah, okay, cool. So I guess, I mean, it, I like that he's got, like his only take is like, oh, I'll just make a mis misogynistic joke. Mm -hmm. That is my entire job description and purpose as a, a right wing pundit now that Brexit's done and the Tories are fucking in power. Yeah. Um, right. What what interests me about that is the um the attempt to provide like a scientific or rational or a technical explanation of it like i but like, i think this is becoming a lot more common this is something that i think i've certainly noticed in more modern stories i know that we've touched on it before where they'll be like ghost evidence you know here and then they'll be like but it you know there's this definition of what it could be so what what were the two forms of communicating was it a residual and one was basically like um, a replay, um, just repeating the same thing over and over again. And one was that you can communicate with them. Yeah, residual memories. So it's just like, my baby, my baby, my baby's drowning in the well. My baby, my baby, my baby's drowning in the well. And oh. the other one's being like, hello, is anyone out there? And then us replying or someone replying. So that's actually really interesting then, because they're, they're talking about the two different types of, um, I guess, ways of interacting with a ghost. There's, you can have a dialogue, which I suppose would be like, fuck off. No, you fuck off. No, you fuck off. And then there would be essentially just, like as you said, like the monologue, right? Fuck off! Yeah. Which is like you get in lots of ghost stories where it's like, yeah, like the person looking for their drowned baby or whatever. Yeah. Or then, so are they saying that this is the, the former, that this is just the... Fuck off! Fuck yeah, I think off. so. They're not saying that you can justify your have start. Is you it... can't start an argument with a ghost. Yeah, I think they're kind of like let this ghost off the hook. It could be just residual memory. 
but it could just be them trying to contact people and be like, fuck off. But like, is it? Are they saying that it's the woman who got murdered in 1798? Yeah. Oh, there's some real like. In, I'm on the Somerset Live website here, and it's like uh, the only spirit I know is Jack Daniels. He makes me tell people to fuck off. Hey. Um, but then Quantock has said, "Dead woman's ditch has nothing to do with the murderer John Wolford. He murdered his wife near the Castle of Comfort and was hung, what is now called Wolford's Gibbet, overlooking Doddington." Uh, someone has said, correct, the name Dead Woman's Ditch also already appears on Day of the Master's Map of Somerset, published in 1782. The fact rather undermines the myth that it refers to the murder nearby, but not that ex exact spot, which took place seven years later. So um, whatever they're trying to justify as it is apparently incorrect, <laughs> according to the comments. Um, but that's kind of like what ghost hunters do right they just jump on the first sort of um date that they're, they're given they're like oh that woman died there so it must be that it must yeah be that they're, one. they're totally that operating reported death is the is the only one that we know of so it must be that one yeah they're totally operating with confirmation bias turned up to 11 it's like yeah like what um we had in the Perrin um case the conjuring one movie or whatever it was yeah um where it was like oh it's the witch from she died because of here oh that's the ghost of the boy that was hung in the rafters or whatever and then somebody actually went through it all and was like no that's wrong this happened then that didn't happen that wasn't his name like once you actually look at it i mean let's say you're like i 100 believe in ghosts right and i am a ghost detective Right, what would you do? You look, you find the evidence for that, and then as soon as you do that, you go like, "Oh, okay." Well, none of it, none of that's true. That's unfortunate. We'll have to keep looking. I think that's what a good, um, studious ghost detective does. I don't right? think I've ever seen that though. I don't think I've ever come across a good one. Somebody who's like, "Here's all the evidence." No, well, they, this is this is something they we always keep... go straight to the easiest one. Or if a ghost turns up, they get fucking scared and run away. Yeah, they never like poke around. I mean, but that's supposedly what um like ghost hunters and all these sort of like ghost adventure um documentary Discovery Channel shows are supposed to be doing. Right, they're supposed to be seen as incredulous, skeptical scientists with you know like modern equipment looking for ghosts. When really, it's just like post malone and some guy going around a house going oh i think there's a gap in the market for like a really badass one should we should we get on to um the first installment of the go see our light books yeah let's do it um and then we'll try and decipher this jamaican ghost we'll do it another time you don't even need to mention it. now i've got to edit that out you got to edit out james right so um, yeah, Ghost of Yala White, uh, the original copy by Gay Steedman and Ray Anker, um, as we've mentioned, was an absolute first edition, one pound, was an absolute, I mean, I struck gold by finding this, to be honest. So, um, after we've now considered what, what is a ghost, or what a ghost is, um, I've had a look through some of the chapters. So the chapters aren't actually stories. They're a collection of stories based on, you know, whether it happened in Newport or whatever, basically. Um, so, da, 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 da. so the first one, I, oh, yeah, I think what I really like about it is the kind of Isle of Wight, like, colloquialism. Like, the, the, the term mainlander is used quite a bit. 
<laughs> and like that's um to me it just makes me giggle you know like it's it's so it's so entrenched in that in that sort of small town small island culture um so yeah you might have to go through this and edit some of it out because i've not like made notes and i've got quotes from it and stuff like that i'm just i don't want to just read it all out fantastic um so where a lost soul seeks a body oh yeah so the the first story is about a diy shop called the handyman in in newport <laughs> um and it's essentially about like uh there was a garage there and when people were renovating the garage they used to hear lots of weird noises at night they'd hear they'd hear rapping um and uh they saw plastic i guess you know you know builders when they lay stuff on they lay out weird plastic shit and that would like apparently contort and move around of its own volition and, and stuff like that so um in the early months of 1976 men employed by a mainland contractor to carry out the alterations slept in camp beds on the premises they found themselves being woken up by the sound of footsteps for uh though but for them the place was deserted next and more than once they woke to hear the side doors sliding open, footsteps crossing the floor of the big empty building and doors on the opposite wall bang and rattle as if being opened by invisible hands. Yet they could see nothing. Finally, they travelled to and from the island every day rather than spend their night there. Ooh. So but it was so haunted that uh, the mainlanders chose to commute. But they just, they just rattled shit. Yeah, they just heard a bunch of noises in an old building that they were renovating. And it's probably just because it's, they, it's builders. They fucking wind each other up. Like, it easily. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of. I think that one's made up. A lot of them have kind of got. Because, I mean. Because that they, one. About, they, it's they, a mainlander. They're like, no, they don't even live there. But no they one, did, it can't trace us back to anyone because no one leaves the Isle of Wight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, wait, there is a, a a minister and a woman that try and exercise the building, so they actually do some like um, first hand like uh, research and try and do. A bit What's of... like the most gnarly thing that happened there? Because so far, just a few bangs. Uh, Polyphene sheet lay on the floor, moved oddly in a manner which could be not explained by drafts. More if an unseen entity was walking across it about 4 a.m. in the presence of two startled workers and an onlooking policeman. Why at 4 a.m.? What was going down there at 4 a.m.? Yeah, exactly. What were people up to at 4 a.m.? Why is a policeman hanging out with some builders in a a renovated shop? They're Uh, meant to be in the mainland, aren't they? (laughs) I guess this is before. Uh, An unused hose pipe. Why are they doing in the building at 4 a.m.? Oh, I don't know because they were probably pissed up because the pubs were shot. Like, not a thing. Like eight, there wasn't a, a lot of stuff going on back in the seventies. Like, stuff was shut, and you'd maybe sit around have some beers and play cards. Like, <laughs> there were, for some reason there was a policeman there. They were like, "Wait a minute, they're about to be arrested <laughs> for some yeah, reason." They're, they're probably, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh my god, look over there! A fucking a cloth just flew across the room. Like no. a ghost was walking there." An unused hose pipe suddenly rose from the ground, and in the words of the store manager, Mr. Raymond Pearson, leaped around. So there, there's a, uh, some sort of hose pipe. It either and... rose or, to the words of the store manager, it leaped. Yeah. So, and they. Um, like, um, it was, it was the mis- shining. 
It was Mr. Pearson's wife, Audrey, who accompanied the island minister on the brief, the brief attempt at exorcism. Their visit followed the workman's complaints, and as manageress, Mrs. Pearson decided to find out for herself what was wrong. Um, so apparently, they were so scared off that they, they failed the exorcism. So the, the story starts. Um, the pastor gave a solemn warning: a soul which had not been found, uh, which had not found rest, might try to enter a living body to escape from its travail in the afterlife. To protect herself, his companion hung a small gold cross around her neck. He clasped he clasped a Bible. Together, as midnight came, they walked into the haunted building. They waited. The lights were on. All was quiet. And then both had an almost indescribable feeling that they were no longer alone. Something else was there. Something that was coming towards them. The pastor opened his Bible and read it aloud. The woman fingered her crucifix, but the presence. <laughs> but the presence they could feel yet could, um, they could feel yet not see came on. They took one look at each other and made a dash for the door. So they were too scared to exercise the building, and and that's that's it. You know, that's kind of like there's just different accounts. You know, they they they, they speak to people um you know the final paragraph what lies behind the haunting of the handyman store we we have heard the theory of a restless soul which worried the pastor is that of a dead driver taken to the garage in the wreck of his crashed car but it must be remembered that this is a very old part of newport ancient cottages once stood here their history now forgotten perhaps whatever walks in the modern shop by night walks out of a different age Ooh. yeah so and this is all just about stuff that happens. They weren't even that threatening, though. No, I mean, no, I, I, it's I think like the no first one's going to get murdered of by ghosts. Activity. Sorry, it's like the first ten minutes of paranormal activity. Yeah, a, a lot of these are just like murmurs, noises, like things that you would probably today you wouldn't associate with a ghost. You'd be like, oh, I just heard a weird knocking noise. Like no one's being, you know hung, drawn, and quartered by a ghost overnight in this book. It's all quite, like, reasonably innocuous. Give us another one. Back across the other side of High Street, there are reports of strange feelings that a phantom of a phantom cat. We talked about them to Mr. John Hacker and his wife Susan, um, <laughs> baby Emma, and a friendly black Labrador named Sam live in the period cottage next to the Unitarian meeting house where Mr. Hacker is caretaker. Right. What's called baby? Yeah, they hanging out with a family and the dog. Like everyone... Uh, Mr. Hacker finds that the, the hall pleasant enough in daylight, and for that matter, in the evening, it's it's late at night when he walks through the 18th century building in the dark to switch on the lights from the rear, that he gets a feeling that he's being watched. It's a feeling that there is someone or something behind me. Quite a strong feeling, said Mr. Hacker. Then it almost seems as if something comes floating down from the balcony. I can't describe it. Once I thought I heard a voice chuckling in the darkness. He's not frightened. He simply turns around and switches on his torch. There's nothing there except for a cold spot, which he felt too, which he felt too when accompanied him on his rounds. But Mrs. Hacker is alarmed by the atmosphere she feels in the meeting house at night. She won't go in the building by herself. The couple's cottage is haunted by a cat. Mr. Hacker thinks he got a glimpse of it once when he looked up from the, a book he was reading in bed, but usually it fell on pe it's fell on people's laps. His description of what happens is similar to um, 
that we have come across in other cases of animal hauntings. There's a sudden feeling of cold, no real sense of weight, and then the steady repetitive needing of paws, which any cat owner knows as familiar. Sam the Labrador saw it once. He stared at something no one else could see. His hair stood up. He jumped on a chair and he would not come down until it had gone. Nice. Haunted cats, ghost cat, pretty cool. But ultimately a boring story. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> the dog saw it, so it must be true. How did they think it's a cat though? Um, because well apparently, like the other instances of ghost animals, you feel it on your lap. Uh it's, <laughs> it goes cold in certain places, which isn't like... normally what happens when a cat enters a room. <laughs> and then you feel the unmistakable needing of paws. So if I felt a cat kneading on me with its claws lightly. That's a very specific feeling. Yeah. Like you should see a doctor if you're feeling like eight tiny little needles softly sort of prickling at your skin occasionally. How did they come across these stories, the the writers? Um, well, it's all just like local stories, but then because they said they've, they've left a lot out and they've only gone to ones that they could verify. So I guess a lot of these stories are located in the 70s or you know, previous where people were around that they could go, you know, like they could go to the shop and talk to the store owner of the handyman place, or they could go to this cottage and talk to them. My mate's got like, a ghost cat, actually. You should speak to him. Yeah, it's just it's, it sounds like they've just collected folk it's just it's essentially a collection of folk stories about ghosts from Nile and White. So the this story. one, um like what what is interesting about some of these stories in this book is they pick very specific, like they're almost showing off very specific like facts about the Isle of Wight. So like, oh, this famous person staying in this place, you know. So, but yeah. it's all from the 70s. Like um I've played Trivial Pursuit from uh with cars that are from the 80s and it's it's like a fucking parallel universe because it's not like no nobody knows anything about the eight like 80s and 70s if you're born in 1989 and so <laughs> it's, it's, you're just like who but playing it with like my girlfriend's parents they're like oh yeah oh, johnny dickinson the famous rugby grafter from 1962 like <laughs> fucking no, no. this is it here so like the next story is uh the hazard's house so almost opposite the handyman store, a fine old 17th century building now gone with other ven uh, venerable properties to make way for the county hall. I had to go. Apart from the planning needs, the house was in danger of collapse. Gone too is its ghost. It has been encountered among the files and tax forms in the offices, which now stands where Sir John Moore slept the night before he sailed for Spain and his death at Corona. So what? Yeah, exactly. I guess we're supposed to know who Sir John Moore is because he's been knighted. We're supposed to know, I guess it was the Spanish Armada, maybe? So there's, I, I think there's so. a lot of stuff if you were like, you know, at the time, you'd be like, oh, cool. This is like, it's 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 legitimized because there's facts. There's people from real history. You know, they're sort of trying to like take things which exist and insert and put it in the story to sort of add, I guess, add a, like a legitimacy. But then they talk about like World War Two, and it might be the ghosts from World War Two. Like it's all a bit. There's someone called Audrey Spanner in it. Like it's all very ghost of the Isle of Wight. Um, Miss Audrey Spanner, uh, who runs a drapery business, was an air raid warren during the last war. 
the ARP report centre was in the cellars of the Hazard's house. Miss Spanner, about to go down there from the top landing one day, suddenly had to step aside as someone was in her way. Uh, I started and said, I beg your pardon, she told <laughs> us. And I saw the figure disappear somewhere down by the wall. It was shadowy form, but I definitely saw it and I believe it was female. It seemed to be wearing a long skirt. It didn't frighten me. And somehow it didn't even surprise me. So it's just like more than once. Those of us <laughs> at Hazard's house felt something brushed past us. Quite a lot of people felt it. It was just a touch. A gossamer touch, as they say, as if from a very light curtain. There was definitely a feeling, a presence at times. We played it down, of course. And there was a lot of other things to think about during the war. But it was generally accepted that Hazard's house was haunted. <laughs> so like it's just there's something about something happening in the 17th century then they talk about world war ii then there's the actual account of, from this woman which it's yeah. all based. so they're doing like history of the building potential history of the context of the ghost like world war ii then the first-hand account right and so i'm now just breaking down how we've like structured these stories right and then the final paragraph is kind of like hmm here's our here's what we might think about it so no one knows the origin of the haunting, but we have been told that the um, we have been told that the vanished house contained a nasty dark cupboard in which a maid servant killed herself years long ago. The but there's no information about that, like who the maid servant is and what years and when. Like surely the actual the information you need isn't about this 17th century guy fighting Spain. It's about the actual ghosts. Did he kill her? Is that what they're trying to imply? No, they're not implying anything. They're not. I, I think there's no implication. I think the whole point of the, the Ghost of Isle of Wight books is they aren't implying anything. They're like, here's what we've heard. Here's some noises that somebody's heard. And then, you know, we're not going to try and make you believe it. But like, you know, you can choose to believe it if you want. It's, it's kind of like... Um, I think it's a way like good ghost stories work, right? Is like, you know, do you believe it? But then you think but about it more, right? Yeah, because if you went, oh, that definitely is a ghost, you wouldn't really think about it too much. But then like it allows people to sort of like, you know, when they find themselves in a dark cellar looking for some tax files, they might remember the story of a fucking hazard's house or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's all a bit, that's chapter one, which is about Newport. And then they go on to oh this is this is a bit I I was quite impressed with actually, um, they this is them doing some first hand um like uh, reconnaissance basically, so uh, there's reports of a ghost with uh, like a like a free corned hat like the old like pirate hats I guess um somewhere a in Newport free corned hat yeah like, I think they call it a tricorn hat would probably be like what you'd want to Google to see it uh, they call it a free cornered hat oh okay yeah yeah it's like you know that like old pirate hat basically yeah uh in lugley street james street um da, da, da. he smiled before he, he, he a boy in a hat has been reported to have been spotted and he smiles before he vanishes basically um but they actually go to it so they actually go to the shop so um someone says that he looked at me and smiled says mr evans who is in his 50s still and recalls the moment vividly i screamed one of the first floor uh, landings of a house, which is believed to stand near the site of the old town Gibbet, Stocks and Bridewell, uh, was the spot was always cold. 
Gibbet Stocks and Bridewell. I guess that was where they used to like, you know, put people in the stocks and probably punish people back in the day. So they're saying like that's why there might be ghosts there. Uh, now on an island magistrate, when both of them felt something swish downstairs go around them. Right. So this is the bit that they've done. The ground floor is now occupied by an Oxfam shop, a cheerful, friendly place haunted only by customers in search of a bargain. No ghosts here. But do they still walk in the higher reaches of the four-story Georgian building? Oxfam's mainland organisation gave us permission to see for ourselves. We spent three hours there through midnight, wandering along dusty passageways, waiting in long um, disused attics where moonlight and street lamp threw ragged shadows on the walls. Inevitably, the rambling of old house had a certain atmosphere which had might have regarded as eerie. We can report only three small curious happenings. So this is them kind of being like, oh, it's an old house. You know, they're, they're trying to sort of both sides it, you know? Yeah. Um, at precisely 11.40 p.m. at the top of a flight of stairs above the shop, the temperature appeared to drop um, perceptibly, yet not fall, yet no fall was recognised on our thermometer. The chill lasted for half a minute. Midnight came and went in um, quietness. At 12.15 a.m., the chill returned, this time on a higher landing. Again, it lasted for half a minute. There was no drafts. The night was warm. The cold feeling came and went abruptly. But other incident occurred at 1 a.m. Behind the darkness, something moved. We flicked on a torch to see the door to an attic staircase slowly swinging open. So that's what they found. Uh, they were relieved, um, perhaps a trifle disappointed, but there was no little man in a tricorn hat smiling <laughs> at them. But they did. But what they did find was strange um, things moving against their own natural momentum. You know, like the door wouldn't move unless pushed. It's the classic stuff, isn't it? It's like no one could. That door would never open unless a ghost opened it or a person opened it or really just it would just open because wind exists. Yeah. Um, they say Whereabouts they, is this in Newport? Uh, this is. Is it where the kid fell down the um, down the chimney? This is a small boy in a bed in a house in a corner of Lugley Street and St. James Street. So it's Lugley Street. Luckily Street, St. James Street, I guess it's where an Oxfam shop was in the 70s. Yeah, so the corner, so I guess it's whatever's on the corner there. I think there still is a charity shop there, you know. Uh, I mean, it's the other way. I know it's not. Our new shops demolished to make way for new homes in Newport. Mm. <laughs> they wanted. Um, so that, and that with their final, I read the final paragraph because that's always their conclusion kind of thing is like, um, right. we, we leave explanations of cold spells and doors, peculiar behavior, imagination in one case, will you say cooling timbers in another? Um, well, I'm going to reread that because that actually is like a good way of them explaining it. Um, we leave explanations of cold spells and doors, peculiar, peculiar behavior. Imagination in one case, will you say cooling timbers in another to our readers? So, timbers. yeah, so like, you know, timbers getting colder at night, making noises, and making the door open and stuff. So, oh, it, no, no, but it's like actual scientific explanations of why some of this stuff happens. But they, you know, they, they're leaving that to the readers. We can say that we felt nothing menacing. Perhaps the good work going on below has laid the ghost. Perhaps. Uh, the good work the Oxfam shop has, has laid the ghost to rest. Uh, perhaps 
as we were hunting him, he was further along Lugley Street playing court to the lovely mauve lady, which is another ghost mentioned previously, which is just uh, some. Nice. She's the lovely ghost, but I skipped over earlier. There is some really interesting stuff in here, actually, which I was expecting like, about them explaining something and something I've never considered. Right. Um, essentially, it's. You know, the Isle of Wight's known for this history of smuggling, right? Like the Smuggler's yeah. Museum and the hidden tunnels on Ride and Union Street that go under the, like, go under Union Street out to the seafront and all these smugglers' coves and caves. And I don't really know the history of it. I guess it's pirates smuggling stuff that they'd stolen and, or like, I shit guess like so. That. So um, they're saying that the smugglers would create ghost stories to um explain why certain things were going on at night to explain why there are certain noises in certain places and why you'd hear footsteps in certain you know hidden tunnels and things like that okay it made people afraid of ghosts because it was like the 17th century so they wouldn't go and pursue it because like, i'm okay. not doing that it's wanted when really it's just um some people making some money and that, i think that's like that's that is really interesting that's the most interesting that makes sense yeah like that is a really good like take on why on a, a reason for ghost stories existing especially on on the isle of Wight, which is known for what ghosts and smuggling like I, I was really surprised to come across it to be honest like um I'll, I'll just read from here what it says about that um because i think it's worth thinking about in consideration to all of his fucking books once you kind of read about this yeah because it's like maybe ghosts are also like you know they're like a, a folk story or like you know something to keep people people entertained but maybe ghost stories actually serve like a utility for certain activities yeah right? like it's i'm a loser and i find that interesting basically it's to me that's like no, more, I get that. more, more evidence like up the skeptics some spirits have played a particular, particularly lively part in the island history. The spirits which warm the heart rather than chill the blood. If all local smuggling yarns are to be believed, there's scarcely a cove or inlet on the Isle of Wight where tubs of contraband brandy have not come secretly ashore. What is certain is that during the great days of smuggling from the mid-18th century to the mid-19th century, um... Island smugglers and island ghosts went hand in useful hand. Long ago, the lords of our inland manors grew garlic to keep the hobgoblins at bay. In their day, the unlawful lords of the island's ragged coastline raised a crop of phantoms to keep honest folk abed. They wanted the lanes empty when they led their loaded uh, ponies to the ch churchyard or ruined cottage or side door of a great house. A ghost they found worked wonders. So when a ghost was um, said to have been seen ghastly in the moonlight, they made sure it was seen again more often and looking even ghastlier. Roads running along the contraband coastline uh, back of the back of the white had ghosts galore. Bond Church and Chale and Brighton went in for spectral stagecoaches seen by a few but heard by many. What was actually going bump in the night was a was in Kipling's words, the delivery of brandy for the parson backy for the clerk bryston for good measure also boasted a flying hair ghostly riders and steeds were whiter than white and silent as the grave paraded along the undercliff much could be done with paint and lantern and so people are actually dressing up as ghosts to smuggle brand i love that yeah 
Um, uh, much could be done with the paint, a lantern, in, and a hollowed turnip, pads for a horse's hooves. Many of these false spooks had at least a, a basis in folklore or fireside story. But where even the oldest and most credulous of corkheads could not recall a midnight horror, then a horror was provided. Headless horsemen appeared as regularly as illegal liquor disappeared down island throats. I love that. Yeah. I love that's probably one of the most favorite things we've discovered on this podcast ever. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, and that's, that's just cool. And this is them. It's a bunch of pirates dressing up as ghosts, soon to be pirates. It's so Scooby Doo. Yeah, it's the most Scooby Doo thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's so Island White as well. It's like the perfect combination of all of it. Um, and then they then try and get into some of the ghost stories, but it's like you've just set up the whole story to be about how none of the what is going to precede it is going to be true because it's all just mm. smuggling, yeah. pirates, smuggling brandy. <laughs> so, do you know what time it is? Um, no. It's time for the No Nut November Q&A special. No Nut November? Let's hear that theme music. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. It's time for a Q and A. Or maybe a spook and a Q. Somehow, like, no, not November, like, this whole no, not thing has been um, taken into the manosphere. And, like, it's I, it's, um, it's a toxic part of the internet, misogynistic, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, dark, do you know what? intellectual gonna... web. Murphy, do you know what? I'm going to break it tonight. What? Because gonna... I know I've got cashews in my dinner. Oh! <laughs> And I'm gonna jizz. <laughs> mm. Sorry. Um. So, I only I only say it's a no nut November episode because I reached out for some questions and a lot of them are about coming and wanking and stuff like that. Yeah, I I forwarded your story on to quite a few people and um I can probably guess which ones came from close friends. So Jared who you used to be in a band with, um, asked, do you think a ghost has ever watched you jerk off? I don't know. It depends if... I think hmm. as you, you as the entire world, if ghosts exist, they will have seen you jerk off. Just like God would have if he exists, or Satan. Or... I don't know. Anyone? The little man that lives in your camera on your laptop? Like, uh, I think it's possible. But I don't know if I'm being in like i think i think there is a question that can match can kind of be linked with this question as well where i respond yes or no 
Um, right. I've got another one set from. You're going to answer a, your question with a, a, another question. Yeah. So another a, a relative actually said um, nothing about jizzing or wanking or anything. Did you see any ghosts at your mum and dad's house? Because a lot of people think that my house is haunted. Um, if if it is haunted, I guess I have. It's where I first did it. So um, possibly maybe a ghost saw me doing it the first time. Mm. Uh, if it has, it's seen some crazy shit. But um, I don't. If if they if they hundred percent exist, um, yeah, they're definitely hell yeah. I would say no. What? Why? Because every. Well, the majority of stories that we hear about ghosts are about ghosts. They're too busy doing something else. The ghosts are, yeah, they have an agenda. There's, you know, they're up to something. They're missing something. They are, they are very much the lead character in their own narrative, and that we're trying to chase around. So, you don't often hear of a ghost just interacting with people. But when you get here, people feel like they're being watched, right? So I don't know. I think. The real question is, have you ever felt like you've been watched whilst masturbating at home? That Jay? song. Let's play that song. Do you know which one I mean? No. Sometimes I feel like somebody's watching <laughs> me. Is that Eddie Murphy? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, probably would be a cover that we play on there just so we think it, it doesn't get taken off but um yeah i did enjoy a a, a cover of a bling 82 song that I, li I listened to yesterday yeah it made because you posted it showed it to me and made me go for it and i was like what the hell is this song and i had yeah. to skip to the beginning that's a reference to uh an older episode that came out check it all out it's the archives up right now it might not be for long you never know <laughs> um so so my um, answer is yeah. What's your answer? Sorry, is no, because any of the ghosts which I encountered in my childhood home. Oh no! And uh, I don't never felt that I was being watched. And you like being watched? Is that it? No, I like I... being left. I like being left alone. But I. But <laughs> then, ironically, I spend lots of time making a podcast so I like, um, I, like being heard. I like people listening to my voice i don't like people watching me masturbate right isn't this all just self-masturbatory oh. whatever oh james um, so really so... the answer is yes is yes people i have been watched by a ghost as i masturbate because this is in fact what i'm doing right now Okay, so there's a few there's a few more no nut um November questions. If ghosts fuck, do they jizz? <laughs> Craig Dolan. Uh ectoplasm. I guess so, but also no. Because ectoplasm is something else. It's their most jizz like quality for sure. Yeah, I get yeah, I guess you're right. It's you know, I don't something... think ghosts I don't think a ghost can climax. Hmm. That feels like unfinished business, you know. Oh my god! Yeah, I've definitely felt like a ghost. <laughs> like ghosts can't climax. Yeah, 
I, I've actually, uh, yeah, I can feel a real empathy towards the unfinished business of a ghost now. It is quite yeah, haunting, yeah, yeah. you know. You're well, so like, close. You're, you're, you're still there, moaning away, and without, yeah, literally, but re refusing to admit that you're gonna have to chalk this up to a loss. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna bleep all of this out, okay? Craig Dillon also asked, "Do ghosts fuck and have ghost babies?" Oh, I read this very wrong, so I might not bleep that out. Um, Patrick McNaught, happy birthday, Patrick. It was your birthday yesterday. Hey, happy um, birthday. Have there you. ever been any ghost ships seen in Brighton? Don't know, let's have a look. Have there ever been... I'm just going to write ghost ship Brighton, actually. Hmm. Into the Google... How would you know it's a uh, no. ghost ship, though? Like, because someone would have to witness it, and then you'd have to be like, how would somebody know it's not a real ship? Oh, maybe it disappear. It could disappear, like suddenly yeah. disappear. It's um, pretty cool pictures, but I don't think there's any. I right. Based Brian's on not a port, though, so like, I don't think it would. Would it? Because there's no like, there's no other than the marina. There's nowhere for it to like park up where the set set set. No, what do you call it? Drop the anchor. Drop the anchor. There's uh, nowhere real. Drop the Ray anchor. Throwback to the Throwback. last episode. My Throwback answer. Even. My answer is yes. Because, as we've learned from the Ghosts of the Isle of Wight books, uh, smugglers would use ghosts as cover for their illegal activity. So I reckon, most likely. But did Brian have smugglers? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's on the on the, the coast, isn't it? Like, But they haven't gone fucking crazy about it like Isle of Wight has. There's a shipwreck museum in Eastbourne or somewhere. You know. Brian's smugglers got a so I would say most likely because it's a good cover story. Okay. Um, this is like, I didn't know, I would have said no yesterday before I read that on that, <laughs> in that book. I, I'm learning and I'm, I'm enriching my perception of the world thanks to uh, Ghost of the Isle of Wight. Um, do ghosts ever get bored from Ashwin? I assume their life is dull and boring, but I don't think that they're bored because they're forever unknowing. That's forever unknowing. Because they always like, have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Or they're really bored because that's why, like, maybe part of guys are bored. Yeah. They're just like, look at me! Look at me! I'm yeah. the shaker. Look at me. It's a baby's upside down. Because it's, it's either like it's impossible for them to get bored because they're like Liam Neeson from Taken. Like they've got one specific driving purpose in their life and yeah. there's no time for boredom, you know. Or they're like a poltergeist or like at the Enfield haunting where they're throwing Lego at people. Uh, so you like, you know, they haven't got much better to do. So I, I would I, say you would have to use a board to ask them. 
also, um, Craig Dillon said, oh no, we got one from, have I answered one from Dan Cannon yet? Are you picking and um, choosing? Are they not all gold? Craig, Craig Dolan said six questions, asked uh, six questions, and uh, some of them, I am I a ghost? No. Um, where's all the where's all the dinosaurs goes? I don't know. I feel like we ask that question every fucking time we do a Q and A. That's um, going to be you, the ultimate Isle of Wight ghost story. It's the crossover, I guess. It's like um, the smugglers and the ghosts. Perfect. Have it's you like, been to the Pooh Museum? I feel like you know. Are you like a Venn diagram? You ignore me. Have you seen the? Have you been to the Pooh Museum on the Isle of Wight? No, I didn't know that there was one. Yeah, me either. But I got text from Smith saying you need to take me to the Pooh Museum and the Dinosaur Museum. That's like a euphemism. What's what? What for what? You said um, I don't pleasure my girlfriend. No, no, it's like then a... she's unhappy. No, it's like an anal. You sex saying you want an anal sex? Oh, because of poo. Yeah. Yeah. This 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 um podcast has taken a real turn. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Samita. The National <laughs> Pooh Museum on the Isle of Wight, Southern England collection of feces. Uh, I can't believe I didn't know this existed. Mm-hmm. Right. We. I'm gonna say one more question. Um, Dan Canning. Um, if fame, if a famous person dies, do they continue to be famous in the ghost world or go back to square one? Well, I don't know for the ghost world, but every medium seems to have met a ghost celebrity. Yeah, like Marilyn Monroe, Michael Jackson. Like I feel like we, Princess Diana. I feel like we watched one where a. She was either friends with Princess Diana or she had spoke to her from beyond the grave. Didn't Derek and Cora speak to Michael Jackson? No, he didn't speak to Michael Jackson. Someone did, though. Yeah. Well, this is mediums, but Dan's asking about the appreciation of celebrity in the afterlife, right? But yeah, we don't really do heaven or hell, do we? So it's... Yeah, we sort of try and deal with the the crossover on the the, the real plane. Like, I can't, I that can't go, the I can't go with all the other dead celebrities. She seemed to be with other celebrities, so I'm sure that there is a place for them. So, from that image, is the afterlife? You know, is it? Is it divided by class and exclusivity like the modern world? So, like, if I reach whatever the afterlife is, there's certain gated communities that very wealthy people live in, but I'm not allowed to go into. That so, sounds like heaven. Like, not Yeah, I, I was thinking, right? Because if we're all pious and follow um, religion and, you know, do what we're supposed to do or ignore all that and then repent at the last minute, we'll be guaranteed a place in heaven. And in heaven, we're supposed to it's supposed to be the most amazing thing in the world. And so there surely shouldn't be, other than I suppose for angels and God, if that is your depiction of uh, you know, heaven, a hierarchy. So like me, Michael Jackson, um, I don't know. Isn't Michael Jackson Derek, in hell though? Derek Akora, you know, we would all be able to hang out and have the same. Like the, the, the same worst blunt rotation I've ever had. 
You, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Jackson, and Derek and Cora. <laughs> hanging awful. out as equals in heaven. Be like, you, you sure you should do that? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all the amazing questions, listeners. They were absolutely riveting. Have made me ponder the dark recesses of my mind and um, the afterlife. We've really learned a lot from having to explore these. I'm sure you'll all listen to this episode to find out the answers. Smell you later. Bye. Hong Kong. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, you got your um your Bluetooth in. Maybe we'll keep this as bonus content. What me, me talking to you watch you make a coffee? Yes. Yeah. Um, um maybe play at play at the end. Um No, what, this is the... this is behind the scenes stuff. All right, there's, there's a chapter in here about haunting odors, but yeah. it's not really in, that interesting. Like it's just about ghosts being smells so yeah t- tell me about it while i make my coffee and we'll put this at the end of the episode well i've just highlighted the chapter there's not really that it's just i thought it was interesting as a concept so um well, t- tell us and the, and the bonus listeners you haven't finished the perf- this episode yet the perfume of madonna illies burning toast incense ether Freshly baked bread, the mingled scent of spring, a good cigar. Yes, houses can be haunted by a smell. And in nosing out those true tales of supernatural islands, we have encountered a variety of odours. Some of those listed above are associated with hauntings described in other chapters. Um, we, we turn now to the aromatic pleasures of freshly baked bread, a well-chosen cigar. It's just people smelling stuff, really. Yeah, like, actually, um, um, my nan's house... Where my parent, where my dad lived, um, used to be really haunted, and it used to always smell like cigarettes, <laughs> which feels like an absolute cop out. It was probably like my nan. It was probably my nan smoking or something. And she didn't want the kids to know. Yeah, but yeah, um, like the smugglers, eh? She's blaming the ghost. <laughs> yeah, that memory felt more. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, I'll bring that to the, the conversation. And, um, yeah, it was a bit of a straw horse, actually. Yeah, I mean, this is... Is that the right time? Sorry? Is straw horse the right time? Um, I think you think of a straw man argument. Straw man. Straw, straw man. horse. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so this, this chapter is essentially like, take any chapter about ghosts and people saying, I heard this or I felt this. But replace it with I smelt this, essentially. <laughs> um, so it's like uh Mrs. Clarice Richardson of Castle Road, Newport, quite enjoyed the smell of a cigar. An invisible lodger was having a smoke at her home. Uh he evidently had good taste. A nice Christmassy smell, she called it. Um so nice. she would she would smell Christmassy cigars, and that was a ghost. 
um, an odd little story, and in the hope of throwing more light on it, we talked to older residents of Newport who remembered the previous owner of the house was late Edgar Dorr, a man, uh, property shoe shop proprietor, philanthropist, once eminent and in Ireland affairs. You know, whatever he lived somewhere. Blah blah. Um, it literally says where he lived. We were in when I did that ghost thing years ago, like ten over ten years ago. The guy blamed the ghost on um, the cigarettes, the cigarette smell in in the corridor of the place we were locked in, um, which is very funny. Uh, right. Okay. So that yeah. So it's, I mean, everything's a ghost, right? If you want, everything. yeah. If you want to find a ghost, like any visual, audio, olfactory, like any perceivable thing is a ghost, apparently. I've never thought about smells being a ghost, but yeah, haunting odors. So there's just really we never we never come across that as a well, like rotting eggs or something like that. Like yeah. Yeah, I guess it's I mean, isn't that in the Amityville horror thing? There was a smell. Yeah. So that was um yeah. Yeah, I've just never. I've obviously I have come across it, but just seeing this laid out as like its own section, I've never considered like haunting odors, as this story is called, being like, you know, like its own little section of what ghosts are. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but she's talking about cigars, and then they talk about this man who used to live there who smoked cigars, basically, and then the spectral baker. Um, you know, it's a baker. And it still smells like there's bread being baked. So, you know, he's was it, no longer, was it no longer a bakery or something? Uh, uh, have to have been, right? Well, as all these stories do, I'll give you some background about the location and the history of the uh, building. Wisteria Cottage, the store and post office, which serves the village of New Church, is a long white building, which is in spring is dressed with a mantle of purple flowers. It has stood beside the village highway for more than 300 years. At one time in the 1800s, pigs were slaughtered there. In later years, right up to the turn of the, of the century, it was a bakery. Wisteria Cottage, too, is haunted by a smell. Fortunately, Mr. and Mrs. Neville Jacobs, proprietors of the past for the past five years, if there's a ghost at work in the old building, he's the baker, not the slaughterman. <laughs> so... But because they can smell freshly baked bread, not, you know, rotting pig corpses. Yeah. Um, and that's it. So ha haunting smells, you know, interesting as an idea. It's, you know, it's normally just noises. If you're lucky, it's like you've seen something, but no one's ever captured it on, on video or it's... Um, smell. And, um, well, do you that want was to the bonus content, so goodbye. <laughs> yeah thanks for hanging around yeah